Hello and welcome to SD Europe's podcast. My name is Luke Cox. I lead SD Europe's communications. So today we continue our For a Better Football podcast series by welcoming two executives from well-known European football clubs. We welcome Nicholas Kalnen, the CEO of Malmo FF, Sweden's most successful club, and Jan Lehmann, a director of Bundesliga side Mainz 05, who over the last decade have sustained top flight division status and enjoyed appearances in European competitions. As you know, SD Europe promotes democracy and solidarity in football. Therefore, we are really happy to have you both on today to learn about what it means to run a professional, democratic, top division football club these days and what your practical experiences are. Considering the European audience of this podcast, we'd also like to hear about what you believe needs to change in the Bundesliga and the Swedish Professional Football League, but also at the European level. So, Nicholas, Jan, thank you for accepting our invitation. It's great to, uh, to be able to speak with you both. Thank you very much. Thank you to be invited. Thanks uh, for uh, inviting us and giving us the chance to participate in this discussion. Great. So I think we'll get going with the first question, uh, gentlemen. So to begin, uh, many listening will be curious to get an insight into your experiences at your respective clubs as the world has endured the devastation of a global pandemic. It would be remiss of me not to ask how both clubs have managed to seemingly weather the storm. So if we begin with Nicholas, what has been the most challenging obstacles for you over the past eight months at your club? I think the, 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 the toughest thing in the beginning was the lack of information and, and the consequences of, of the spread of the pandemic. So uh, before we actually could do something, we needed to have the information from the different government uh, bodies and the health authorities and so on. And we, with that, we tried to, to find um, uh, a good path uh, to to uh, both the, have information in, in the external sense, but also internal, of course, um, and manage, because in the beginning, we didn't know when the, the league actually would start. So we have the spring, uh, starting the spring, and, and should actually have been starting in, the, in April, in the beginning of April, and this didn't happen. It, instead, of, it was June, so it was a big difference for us. And uh, Jan, the same question. Yeah, of course, the situation in Bundesliga was a bit different since we um, were in the middle of a, of a season when the pandemic started to spread over Europe. Um, so back in March, it was actually Friday, March 13th, um, Bundesliga decided uh, to stop playing um, with um, um, uh, a remaining uh, seven uh, match days to, 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 to be played. And of course, the biggest challenge at that time was the, the, the big uncertainty about what would happen. And um, um, we uh, needed to uh, calculate um, a lot of different scenarios to, to decide um, what we as a club would need to do. Um, the, the worst case scenario was, of course, that we were not, not able to, uh, to continue um, to, to play the season, um, which would mean that um, even the media revenues um, that we were, uh, of course, counting on would not come, would not arrive. Um, uh, and in this case, that would be definitely threatening for our club and for many other Bundesliga clubs as well. Um, and I mean, there, there was the, the, the short-term problem back in March. Um, then Bundesliga was obviously the first one to um, 
be able to play again. Um, so we started again in, in May, um, ended the season in June. Um, and then for us as a club, the second problem was um, the, the, the transfer fees because um, our business model, if we would want to call it this way, relies on mainly two things. First, media revenues um, and second, transfer fees. We have a um, very, very um, strong um, youth uh, development. So we, we, we um, have uh, many young players coming into, into our squad and um, uh, at, at some point we rely on revenues we generate um, from this uh, sort of business model. And this summer was of course also um, very problematic in terms of transfer fees. Um, so um, that was for us pretty much the second big gap, um, uh, financial gap um, that we um, that we faced. So overall, we are still uh, in a, in a situation that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty about how things are going forward, how, how things are developing, and um, this is the biggest challenge. So that every day you kind of need to calculate uh, the financial situation again and uh, differently. Absolutely. Um... You know, it's interesting to get, a, you know, an initial contrast between and uh, to, to hear about what the situations are. Um, and I think you've sort of touched on it there uh, to begin with, Jan, um, which leads and touched on something there, which leads into the next question. So the pandemic has exposed a sort of long lasting fragility in the football industry cir circulating around the reliance on broadcasting revenues and increasingly volatile world with you know climate change and other global adversaries posing a greater threat do you think that football needs to take stock and address its weaknesses whilst it can um, and what would you consider the main weaknesses which it needs to address so if we go with nicholas again first um i think this is this is really really hard questions because uh, the revenue streams for for our club is uh, of course, match day income with the uh, fans and supporters coming to buying the tickets and the and season tickets and so on. <clears throat> then you have the, the business to business part where you have the sponsors. And for us, these two are, I think, the two most important ones. Uh, and then you have um, player sales, player income, and then you have the Euro European competitions. So th th those three, four cornerstones is is the most important thing and i think as in all businesses if you have more than one leg to stand on then then you have easier way um, to compensate uh, the problem is that all legs were cut so at at, at that sense is it's is is rather tough but if you i think if you only have uh, like the the player player revenue part then of course then then you need to to have a player market and we could see that the player market was decreasing and i think the latest numbers is like 30 30 35 percent lower uh, transfer uh, in the summer of 2020 than the summer of 2019 in europe so it's a big difference and this is of course could could mean a, a game changer and i think the the vulnerability of the system is that uh, we are depending on each other, all, all the clubs, because when we do the player transfers, then we rely on that the, the, the club that we sell to actually can pay. And usually nowadays they can pay if they get paid for another sale. So it's a, a chain reaction. 
and I think that's that that's the the fragile part that you need to have. Uh, the ecosystem needs to work from the top to the bottom. Otherwise, it could fail. And there were some indications in that in the beginning of the spring, but uh, it didn't happen. And that I think was the most important thing because otherwise, all clubs would have problems. Yeah, I agree. Um, and um, but let me let me also phrase something. I think that that, that is important because I know that um, football. Um, has been criticized or the, the football industry, the football clubs, the leagues have been criticized a lot, um, especially by fans um, for um, their uh, dependence, um, for example, on media revenues um, and, and so on. And um, there was a lot of, of, of criticism that the, the system is not sustainable and, and things like that. But I think we should we should um, accept that this pandemic has caused um, a huge problem for the economy as a whole, and not only for football. Um, we see, and I assume it's it's similar in Sweden, we see that um, the state is um, supporting and financing a lot of industries, a lot of companies, um, um, because of um, the, the financial problems that they're in. Uh, in. In Germany, we talk about the automobile industry that's get, getting financial support from the state. Um, of course, the the, um, the airlines and so on. So the, the crisis is an economic, not only problem, it's a, it's a huge problem for the whole economy. So um, I think it's not, it, it's not surprising that also football or the sports business as a whole um, has a huge financial problem. So the system was working on a, on a financial basis. It was working actually quite well in the past. But of course, it's right that it's somehow self-containing. So um, of course, if the, the, the transfer revenues from top clubs break down, th this goes down to the smaller clubs as well. So the, the, the system doesn't seem to be sustainable anymore. The cause for that is a pandemic that is really affecting the world economy as a whole. And, and, and so I don't think it's surprising that football is affected as well. But if we come to football, um, um, we as clubs um, always had the incentive pretty much to spend the money that we are earning um, because we are in a sportive competition and we, we, we all want uh, to be successful or as successful as we can it, it, but, but, by, by, by the means that, that are different for every club. I mean, the one is getting, is, 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 um, wants to become champion. The other one wants not to be relegated into second division or whatever the, the goal is. But this is our purpose. Our purpose is to play and to be successful. Our purpose is not to earn money. Um, and therefore, the money that we earn, we spend again um, to be as successful as we can. So th this is um, natural. So I don't think it's right um, to accuse football clubs for not having huge financial resources um, to cope with, with, um, with uh, such a crisis. However, what we can learn from this situation and from this crisis is that we should change the, the system in the future and that we should enable clubs to um, be, be able to, to, to um, uh, get around such a situation or to, to have the financial resources in, in such, such, such a situation if, if it would occur again. However, you cannot leave this to the clubs alone. It needs to be a system 
developed by leagues is either nationally or maybe even better internationally um, uh, because otherwise again everybody has the incentives to, to spend all the money that that you're getting all the income so i think that that's something we as as um, the football business should definitely learn from this situation and i think we we, we need to change but it needs to be changed on a league uh, basis or uh, federation basis so great thank you for your answers there uh, gentlemen so moving on to the next question Obviously, both Swedish and German football subscribe to the 50 plus one model, meaning your clubs are effectively member run. Where do you see its place in football in the future? For me, this is uh, this is quite easy because uh, we know that uh, that some of the big brands in the in the football industry uh, from from the usually from the big five they are i think they are international brands and in some cases it looks like they will work more in the international market in the local market i think all other clubs need to have a very strong local base regional base and national and then international and the best way to have that is if you are a membership owned uh, club because then you have the involvement you have the you have the feelings from the fans and you have the local support from, from your city, from your region. So for me, I think, for us as a club, this is the absolutely most important foundation for us to grow and to keep, keep on being successful, both in Sweden, of course, but also in the international level. It, 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 uh, it makes, you, you get some challenges with that because you need to grow a sustainable business you cannot have investors <clears throat> and if you know that then you need to to actually fill all everything that you promise with with the uh, local feelings if i say so and, and i think that's that's making uh, <clears throat> if if you have that then you're also relevant in hard times as in good times because you're part of the society you you play a, a very important role in in the everyday business for for the supporters, not only when we have the game, but also perhaps when the kids go to school, we have 18 academies where we have kids at school <coughs> in our region. So I think I think uh, to be part of the, the the society, both in building the dream in the football sense and the success, but also in the daily business, I think that's very important. And with membership owned, you get many of those things automatically. Yeah, I absolutely agree um, on the one hand. Um, on the other hand, I, I see, um, at least in, in, the, in the German version of the 50 plus one rule, um, I also see very big, uh, very big uh, challenges um, that, that, actually, um, that actually are visible in this current situation and crisis, especially. Um, I mean, first of all, what, what, what was the goal of this rule? And, and here I completely agree with Nicholas. We want to be uh, strongly related to our fans, um, to the region. Um, and this, this strong relation should, should, uh, should stay and, and should, should be there. So a membership club offers the fans the opportunity to vote to be, to be part of decision making in a club. And I think that this is very good and very important. Um, and uh, I wouldn't even speak of membership, mem member owned because uh, in, in the, the, 
at least our model, they're not really owners, so they don't participate financially uh, in the club's development and or success. Um, however, um, what we see is 50 plus one offers, um, first of all, um, investors to um, at least acquire 50 minus one um, uh, of uh, voting rights. On the other hand, investors are allowed to acquire 100% of the capital share. And um, let's just assume there is an investor that owns 100% of the capital, but only 50 minus 1% of the voting rights. Um, I mean, does anybody believe that this investor is not influencing the club decisions as if he would own more than 50% of the of the of the voting rights um, um so so I, I think this this is um not realistic and um we we are, of course already see this that um many clubs in 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 the past and and also nowadays um in, investors are very much influencing decision making within the clubs and the question is, do we want that? Um, I mean, my answer would be no, but um, of course it's, um, it's allowed to have a different opinion on that. So that's, that's one problem I see. The other problem I see with the rule is um, of course the exceptions that we, that we have in, in Germany. I mean, of course there's a tradition of, let's say Bayer uh, or Volkswagen to, to invest in football. So they own 100% of the shares of respective Bundesliga clubs. Um, uh, and, and there are more, I mean, there, there are more than these, than these two examples. And in this pandemic and in this crisis, these clubs have a huge competitive advantage um, because while clubs like us and, and other member, member owned clubs, they really need to look at their finance uh, finances to survive. The other clubs have, don't have a problem to survive because there's an investor that would cover every um, every gap uh, in 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 the balance sheet or in the uh, in the in the income statement. So, especially in this current situation, um, there there is a there's a huge gap in financial competitiveness between clubs like ours and clubs with 100% um, ownership of, of an investor. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy for them because of course for, for the employees, for the management, it's, it's a great situation to be in and much easier, um, but um, to, um, to uh, guarantee sustainable competitiveness and competitive balance within football um, I don't think this is the right um, the right way to go forward I, I think that uh, this is actually one uh, of the the differences Jan, uh, between Sweden and, and Germany because um, uh, if I compare us to to uh, to I think Germany and, and other leagues uh, and and the clubs there we have a lot of sponsors, business, a lot of investors, a lot of partners, um, uh, and I think we they usually pay not so big amounts. Uh, if I compare to the to the to the bigger clubs in Europe, they have less with, that pay a, a lot more. So we don't have situations generally. There can of course always be um, one or two of of these examples, but uh, where the investors are inside uh, running the club <clears throat> i don't think 
I have any examples more perhaps than one or two that that has happened in, in, in Sweden. So for me, this is, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a big difference and we actually see our members as owners. Um, I, I would we also see our members as owners, um, but I, I think they're even more than that. I mean, they're not only a shareholder that wants to get a return, a financial return, they want to get an emotional return. And I think this is even more important. So I agree with that, but I mean, just legally, they're not owners at least um, in, in our model. And I, and I agree also. I think that we would like to have more the more the 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 sporting success, the feelings. The that's what they're investing in, and also the the the, the community, the being a, a part of the of the club and the club crest, and so on. You know, it's a really interesting discussion here uh, between you both, and you know, just sort of listening. Um, you know, is it, it to me? It sort of sounds like. You know, in, in, in Nicholas's experience, it sounds the 50 plus one model in Sweden is a bit more sort of, you might say, watertight. There's less sort of questions around it at the moment. Whereas with Jan in Germany, it sounds like perhaps there may be work to do. Is, is that fair to say from, from both of you? Um, I, I think so, yes. Um, and actually the 50 plus one rule um, has been in discussion probably since it, it has been existing in Germany, um, but at least in, in recent years, um, and actually from both sides. So on the one side, you have um, people, potential investors, clubs, um, that that um, that would like to get rid of this rule. Um, um, because, uh, for example, um, they, they say um, to be competitive on a European level, financially competitive on a European level, um, we, we need investors that are able to um, get 100% um, share uh, shares of a club. So this is one side. Um, I'm actually saying you may not even need that because I mean, your influence even with 50 minus one is probably very big or big enough. And on the other, uh, on the other side, um, of course you have um, others that say, well, as, as, I, as I mentioned before, um, um, it, it's an unfair competition be, between clubs that are not allowed to sell more than 50% of their shares or e even decide to sell nothing as we do um, right now. Um, and other clubs that, um, that have an investor that, that's able to, um, to, to remain 100% shareholder. Um, and it, it's just, as I, as I said, it's just a huge um, difference uh, and and so we, we we kind of cannot be competitive financially with those so they would say um we need to get rid of the exceptions so th this is um this is actually the both sides of the discussion um in germany we have actually the cartel office currently um taking care of this uh, they've been asked by they were asked by the by the dfl bundesliga to to look at the rule if it's if, if it is according to um cartel rules and regulations um, and I mean this is going on I don't don't know where where it's going but it, at least there's a definitely a big discussion within within Bundesliga and then you know just just going back to you there um, Nicholas is it is it fair to say as I said that perhaps in in Sweden it's not so much of a contentious issue and it could be described as almost watertight at the moment 
I think so. I think there are uh, no discussion at uh, at any levels to to make a change of it. Um, and this is not only football. This is all clubs in in Sweden, uh, ice hockey, and whatever sport it is. Um, I think also that when you when you speak about um, economic competitiveness, then you also need to see okay where are you actually in what geographical area we are we are from Sweden. We know that we we have plus ten million people living in Sweden compared to Germany, for example, where it's little bit bigger than, than that. If you take the Nordic market, it's 25 million. It's still not that much. And this is, of course, this is the base. This is our home market. This is where we where we grow, where we try to, to take the next step. So uh, if I if if I would like to compete with the, the bigger clubs or the German clubs for that matter, we had Wolfsburg, I think the last time we had them in the Europa League uh, uh, game. And their point is, is, is so much bigger and you need to do things in a different way to be competitive. And I think that's, that's, that's the key. It's, it's not to, for me, it's, we know where we came, come from. We know uh, the, the expectation that are at our club and we know that we'll like to compete with the, with the bigger ones. So then we need to find ways to do that, to, to, to try to make the uh, unexpected and, 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 and in that in that way we are building uh, um, I think a, a foundation that that will hopefully like an underdog be able to 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 build a fan base that could be a little bit bigger that could could uh, increase revenue a little bit but it will not be the big steps that actually take us uh, right alongside uh, the, the big clubs in, in UK or in Germany for that part. So it's, I think it's a, you can change some rules, but it will not change our position. Uh, Niklas, um, let me, let me ask you something. It, it seems working within the Swedish league, on the other hand, to be honest, and, and it, it's not it's it's not meant in a negative way. I don't think there that a Swedish club will ever have the chance again to win a European Cup competition within the next years or decades, if this if the if the um, development is going on like like it has been in the past, right? Um, and um, so. I mean, if, if if you, as the, the, the Swedish football, accept the situation, um, uh, I mean, within the league, that's that's of course great. On the other hand, I could imagine that there are people that that um, would want to invest in Swedish football in order to be able to compete compete on a, on a European level. Don't you think? I agree in that, on that, but I think also that you need to fill the stadium every match. We need to fill our stadium every match. To have the local support, we don't at the moment. We no no one of the Swedish clubs fill the stadium every match. So I think you need both. You need you need an international perspective, and you need to know the uh, in, in, in who your competitors are in that. Uh, and you need to uh, at the same time uh, have created value. So. Uh, Yeah, the example is the easiest one is to fill the stadium. If you do that, then you can go on and do the next thing.
So I think it's, uh, I don't say that, uh, we are always looking on international sponsors, partners that we can work with, but we are, we are not looking because we cannot do it. We are not looking on investors to buy the club. Gentlemen, thank you there. I think that was a really good discussion between the both of you around this um, around this this topic of 50 plus one. And I have absolutely no doubt at all it'll be of um, great interest for uh, many to listen to. I think it is really, really, um, you know, as I've said already, it's really interesting to get this comparison of, you know, the two situations, two countries, both where they subscribe to the 50 plus one. But what does that look like in reality? I think it's great to get that that insight here. Um, so we're moving on now um, to in, in the discussion. Um, so recently there have been rumours regarding the formation of a so-called, a so-called European Super League. Um, where do you see your clubs in this European context? Um, so I have a few questions around this. So, you know, if, if we start, Nicholas here, um, do you feel that Malmo and similar size clubs um, are heard at the European level around these sort of reforms of, of European competitions? Um, uh, so, um, uh, um, so the question was, are we heard at the international? Yeah, okay. So as you know, I'm also a part of the ECA. Uh, uh, and in the ECA, I have the possibility to, to be part of the board uh, from subdivision three and subdivision three is the, is, uh, the subdivision where S Sweden and, and uh, uh, Norway and some other of the, uh, those countries are. Uh, I think it's the, we're there for, yeah, perhaps I should say this, there are four subdivisions. The first one is the big six club uh, leagues. And then you have the second with uh, Holland and Belgium and, and so on. And then the third and fourth is Iceland, Faroe Island and, and so on. So we are the third subdivision uh, level. And I think this is, this is uh, something that I'm, I'm working really hard to, to uh, be a part of and to influence because uh, in the new competition, for example, where we have the uh, from 21 to 24, we had a new competition with Conference League. Uh, clubs from our subdivision will only have the possibility to go to Champions League or Europa League if you are the champion. Otherwise, you go to to the Conference League. And I, I think that that is not uh, a good solution. I think we should have had a possibility to also go to, to Europa League as, as one of the levels. But this is the way it is. Uh, I think the, the most important thing is that we have more clubs able to participate in European competitions. So in the decision to, to increase with 16 teams, I think that was, that was a very important decision. So we have more teams that can, that can play in the, in the competitions. Um, but I still uh, want um, more opportunities for all the clubs to participate. That, that's, my, that's my take on it. And then going to you, Jan, um, how do you feel about this? You know, do you feel that, that your, your club minds and, and clubs of a, of a similar size uh, are sort of represented, you know, around at, at the European level and, you know, around um, the question of sort of reform at the level too? Um, I, I believe we are here in a slightly different situation than, than, than the Swedish top club. Um, 
definitely, uh, I completely understand that, that the top clubs in even in smaller countries. I mean, Sweden is not a small country, but smaller than compared to the to the big four or five. Um, want to participate in European competitions? Absolutely understand um, the situation in Mainz and, and similar clubs is, is certainly different. Um, uh, we, we are happy to um, uh, to to stay in Bundesliga um, to participate within the top 18 in Germany. Um, and if everything is going norm in a normal way, um, we we finish the season somewhere between 10 and 15. Let's say. And um, of course, um, in, in a great season, we may also uh, want to participate in a European competition, um, but, but it's certainly not our, um, our first goal. Um, so um, I, I'm, I must say, I mean, your, your question was, um, do you feel heard? And um, I, I really have a problem with, with ECA uh, a structural problem with ECA, I must say, and um, this is that um, a club like Mainz, for example, is not allowed um, to become a member of ECA. So how can a an association that calls itself European Club Association not allow clubs from a first division um, in, in any uh, in any country? It's not because it's Germany. In any country, how can they prevent clubs in the first division from becoming a member in this association? So we don't have a voice in, in the European Club Association and other clubs like ours don't have um, a voice as well. Um, and of course, ECA is dominating the um, discussion about European club competitions within UEFA um, w without listening to us. And that, I think my problem is they, they even don't want to listen to us. Um, it's, it's at least the impression that you that you get. So I was really thankful to the um, EPFL to um, invite European clubs um, within the past two years twice to um, to to assemblies where where we could raise our voices, where we could discuss among European clubs. Um, also, ECA was invited, which I think is a good thing. We should always discuss uh, with each other um, uh, together, and, and and not without not inviting anybody else. So it's um, it's absolutely uh, good. But I think it's important um, to also include uh, the clubs um, and or leagues um, uh, completely in, into this discussion and not to exclude them. So moving on from there. Um... So in your experience, obviously at the European level, there are solidarity mechanisms regarding revenue sharing in place. Um, in both of your experiences, do they work sufficiently? If we go to, uh, to Nicholas first. It depends on what level I think you, you are referring to, because if you go to the, if you are, um, uh, in a competition, if you if you get to spot one, two, three in Sweden, or, the, or if you are the cup winner, then you have the possibility to go to the different group stages. Um, with that, you will obviously get the money for participation and so on, and it will also increase the, the solidarity to money to the to the league. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough way because you need to have the sporting success to get a lot of the money, um, and I think this is this is the this is the hard hard thing to discuss because if I if I compare to Jan and Man, Mainz, 
Okay, in Sweden we say Bundesliga is a big, that's a really big, the, the Premier League is a really big, big league. Okay, should, should the big clubs or the clubs in, in the big leagues have as much solidarity payment as the, the clubs from the smaller leagues? Because they, they already have a lot of money. So you, you, can, you can always turn the table in different, uh, different ways. And you will have different opinions about the completely the completely same thing. So I think this is a really 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 hard because of course I will always say that I think the smaller clubs that 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 doesn't have the possibility to even compete in the bigger in okay has a very small chance to compete in the Champions League, even though Mainz is uh, um, usually you said ten Jan I think in the in the league. Uh, but you still have the opportunity if you compare it to to clubs from the smaller leagues. So I think it's important that that solidarity and and the participation money is is um, distributed in a way so uh, all the clubs has the possibility to get it. But today, uh, uh, clubs from bigger leagues has bigger opportunities. Yeah, and solidarity payments um, in in comparison with um, with um, what 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 especially the successful clubs earn or can earn in in European club competitions, especially the Champions League, is is really is so small. And I think we, I mean, what we saw in in recent years is that the um, that the income generated um, the, the income top top clubs generated from European club competitions um, has been increasing so much um, and uh, I think it has it, it has a strong influence also on, on a national league level um, and I think that's true for big leagues as well as for small leagues so if, if there's a club from a small smaller league or country let's say Switzerland or maybe even also Sweden Participating in Champions League, I think the money you you earn there is is, is so big that it's really uh, influencing the national competition of that of that league. And the same is true for Germany. Um, we um, I remember that we were very happy um, a few years ago when uh, UEFA um, guaranteed the fourth uh, spot in Champions League for the Bundesliga. Um, to be honest. Um, if if I look at it now from a from a German Bundesliga perspective, um, I think that this is not a reason to be happy because the the, the problem is there are more clubs um, generating a lot of money um, outside the national league, and that has an influence on on the competitiveness of of national leagues. And um, you exclude many other clubs from 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 this and from this money. And this money is not distributed in a solid, some somehow solidarity way. Um, so, um, um, so, so I think that, I mean, solidarity payments is is, is a proportion of um, overall um, income, but it's certainly way too small um, compared with um, what what the big clubs uh, earn in, in, for example, Champions League. So we are on to the last question here now. So. With regards to a so-called European Super League, as it has been discussed in the media over the last few weeks, um, 
in both of your views, do you do you see it as a solution or do you see it as something that could risk almost too much for European football? Again, if we go to Nicholas first. Usually, I uh, don't discuss things that are things that are just uh, discussed in media and, and so on, because I think that then we can keep on discussing everything uh, in so many ways. But my, 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 I think it's important to, to set the principles. And I think my, one of my principles is that, um, that we need the solidarity and the loyalty to, to be in the same competitions. Uh, and I think that's, that's really, really important that we have a, a setup where as we have done before, we, we had 2014 and 15 when we played the Champions League, we had possibility to play against some of the absolutely biggest clubs in, in, in Europe. Uh, and I think we need a dream. The dream, I think that's really, really important. You should always have the dream to, to, to play against the best clubs when you come from, the sm from a small country as ours. So if, if that is that is threatened with something else, I think that is that is very very problematic. Um, but I will not die to keep the unity. Yeah, I completely agree with Nicholas. Um, um, I think this sort of discussion has been around also for many years, um, and um, I think sometimes it was maybe even used as a threat um, to uh, change money distribution and. Um, formats of competitions um, in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, however, I would add one thing. Um, I mean, if we talk about, however, however we call it, if, if we call it Super League, Champions League, or Super, Super, Super League, um, I, I think we should, um, we should always be clear and distinguish things from each other, which means, um, if clubs decide to play in a Super League, they should not continue to play in their national leagues. I don't think this, that, I mean, I'm completely with Nicholas. The, the, the current system of, of having a dream for Malmö to participate in Champions League and maybe for a club like Mainz to participate in a, in a European League um, is great to have. But if, if at some point um, somebody would decide to, um, to create a kind of super league that has not that does not um, uh, guarantee access through the national competition, well, th this may happen. But then we should really um, split things apart, and then these clubs should decide to play in this league. Um, but they should they should not at the same pl time play um, continue playing in, in in the domestic leagues as well. Um, th that's at least my point of view. I know it's very radical. Um, but um, otherwise, I don't think it makes sense um, because uh, th there would also be too many games for for certain clubs. Um, they may not play with their with their um, top squad in the in the national league anymore. So um, also here that influences the the, the comp competition and um, and the national competition. So. Um, I'm, I, I think, uh, I mean, the current system has a lot of advantages. Uh, we only need to distribute money differently, um, but otherwise I think uh, we should keep things uh, pretty much as, as they are. Okay, great. Nicholas, um, how, 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 Nicholas how, do, how, do, how do you see that? I mean, to be, to be honest, I mean, 
Um, it, it, I mean, I, I know you don't want to talk about um, uh, theoretical discussions, um, as you said, but I mean, just imagine something like a super league would be generated. Is there a place for Sweden or a Swedish club in that in that league? I don't think so. I think the biggest the clubs uh, in in a super league is from the the big five countries, and uh, uh, and I think that uh, subdivision two, three, and and four will not be participating in in in, in that type of competition. Uh, at all, so I think I understand your your uh, your concern about having perhaps uh, one club from or, or two clubs from uh, from Germany playing in the Super League and and then also participating in the national uh, national uh, league. So I, I I would like to say that uh, I'm I'm uh, the principle of closed leagues is not something that that is in my favor. I, I need I would like to have the the possibility to to go in in through the system from the from the national league and to the European competitions and, and so on. I think that's important. Um, but if they make a decision, then we need to take and see what the consequences of that is, because it cannot stay as it is. Well, gentlemen, that was my last question for you both. Um, once again, I'd just like to take the opportunity to thank you. It's been absolutely fascinating. Um, to sit here and ask you these question, questions and, you know, to, to listen to your exchanges between each other too. And I have absolutely no doubt that those that will listen in will uh, agree with what I said there. Um, so before we wrap it up, I thought I would just give you both the opportunity if you wanted to just sort of, you know, uh, leave, a, leave a message before we, we wrap up, you know, with, with supporters listening to this at all. Um, feel free to, or there's no pressure to it do so if, if you don't have anything you'd like to share um i, I sort of open the floor to you both really <laughs> um yeah you, you asked us to maybe address supporters listening to us i think um I, i would really urge um supporters to raise their voice um um in the next months and maybe years to come um because i i think we as uh, smaller clubs and supporters are pretty much on the same side when it comes to reforms in european football and the necessities um and the changes in 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 the football system that what that we um that we propose and see so um be it in germany be it in europe um i would really ask you to raise your voice um to uh work closely together with us um with us clubs um and um, to really try to make things um, um, yeah, better if we can. So um, with uh, winning the Swedish championship, we have, of course, the opportunity to play in, in Europe again. Uh, and uh, I think that the emptiness of the stadiums that we have had this year and, and in, in all strangest ways that I have ever been celebrating a, a, a league title uh, i think this is uh, this is extraordinary and i really hope that i don't have the uh, i don't have to do that again so i really really hope that when you get the possibility you you contribute you come to the stadium you 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 celebrate you you push the team you we do that together all the way to involve you in the in the, the club's democratic process, that we have you in the yearly meetings, that you, that you push us to become even better in, in, as a club, not only as a, in the different roles that we have. 
but to to get involved, stay involved, and and for those things that you think it is important, uh, you can, as you know, always give me a call uh, and uh, send an email, and we will have the discussions uh, to take the next step. Uh, I think um, we need more than ever the support uh, and uh, gathering together uh, around the club, the games, the colors, the crest, uh, and I hope to see you soon inside the stadium. So I, I would like to thank you very much to be able to, to participate uh, with Jan Mainz uh, in ST Europe pod. Uh, and I hope, uh, Jan, uh, we will see you hopefully in the future in a European competition against each other. That would be very nice. Thank you. That would be that would be nice indeed. And also thank you to ST Europe for, for having us. And um, um, I, I don't know, maybe Mainz is not really um, in, on, on the football landscape in Europe already, but um, everybody um, following the news in, in recent days probably has heard that uh, the first vaccine against uh, against COVID-19 um, was developed in Mainz um, by a, a company uh, here. So maybe um, Mainz is securing the, um, the future of not only European football, but of, all, of us all. So um, yeah, but I still really hope, Niklas, that would be fantastic to play against each other um, in the near future. Thank you. Great. Thank you both. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Please do listen to the other podcasts in this mini-series in addition to the ones that we've previously published. To find out more information about SD Europe, head to www.sdeurope.eu.